You're tuned into our podcast, To Boldly Roll, a weekly play-by-voice Star Trek Adventures RPG hosted by Obsidian Fleet. If you want to boldly explore our biographies, read the Game Master's reports, and listen to crew logs, then set your phasers to stun and your browser heading for our website to boldlyroll.net. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the USS Potemkin. Our mission on behalf of Obsidian Fleet is to make new friends and protect the Federation. To discover the galaxy and to not roll 20s, we aim only to pick fights with the GM that we can win, but not upset him so much that he yells stars at us wholesale. And so it is, we have united today to boldly roll. Welcome, I am Matthew, the GM. I also play Torrent Pax, the captain and I try really hard not to kill everyone. I'm Matthew, and I play Lieutenant Ezekiel Zeke Pride, the Helm Officer and 2XO. Hi, I'm Will, and I play Alexander Artopoulos, the Chief Medical Officer. I'm Nikki, I play the Grazerate Chief of Engineering, Lieutenant Ellie Naveen. Hi, I'm Paul, I play Lieutenant Scott McIntyre, the tough, uncompromising Chief of Security on the USS Potemkin. The following conversation is a live recording of the Potemkin crew on Obsidian Day. Please enjoy as we reflect on our simming experience so far. Just waiting on a few more people joining the server. Got a few people in the audience. That's cool. We'll make a start because I realize we're a little bit behind. Um, Yeah, hi guys. Um, You get to enjoy my dulcet tones my british accent um today and in case you don't know who i am uh, i'm paul i am uh one of the uh, comms team here in of uh and i i don't know if i was volunteered or selected as tribute to just help uh host this little session um that our dear colleague uh from uh the eagle and potemkin matt um had us to host now this is a session on um playing by voice, uh, the Star Trek Adventure system. This is, uh, Potemkin is um, Obsidian Fleet's very own first tabletop RPG um, endeavor, shall we say. Um, before we get really stuck into it, should we just go around the room and introduce ourselves a bit properly? Um, I'll start with you, Matt, because you're the boss man. So why don't you take it away? Yeah. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm also British. Uh, I play Carter on the Eagle. And I'm the GM, and I play Torrin Pax on the Potemkin. And that's me. Great. Someone go next. Will. Hi, I'm Will. I play several characters. I've got one on the Eagle, one on the Elysium, and one on the Potemkin. Lovely. Uh, Nikki. Uh, hi, I'm Nikki. Um, I play... Um, the chief engineer, Ellie Naveen on Potemkin. Um, and I'm um, mainly on Obsidian Command as Calliope, as the XO, and I've been on Hiroshima for a long time. Uh, like a long time, and then I came back again. <laughs> Same character, Briar Lynn. And um, I recently joined the Eagle to check out how Matt runs a writing game as a 
chief of tactical, which is not a standard for me. <laughs> Sybil Danzer on the Eagle. So yeah, those are my characters. Lovely. Um, Jill, if you can hear us. If not, I'll just let Matt talk. Yeah, go on, go on, Matt. I don't think Jill can hear us. Okay. Uh, I'm Matt Pacus. Uh, I am the game master for the Nightingale, and I also play on the Mary Rose. I play elsewhere. Um, and I am Ezekiel Pride, who is the uh, flight officer, helm officer, and second, second uh, officer on the potential. Do we have a Jill yet? Can she hear us? Can she speak to us? I don't know. We'll uh, we'll keep going, keep moving. Um, yeah, just to clarify, as I say, uh, I, I well, I say I introduce myself. Uh, I uh, in terms of my OF kind of affiliations, I uh, command the Athena, and uh, I also sim on the Mary Rose um, Obsidian Command and Homer Colony, uh, as well as um, I don't know what the word is, serving as Potemkin's Security Chief Scott McIntyre. Um, so just to kind of get us jumped into uh, into conversation, um, please feel free to ask questions in the Obsidian Day chat um, channel. That's absolutely open. I'll keep an eye on that. We have a few discussion points that we want to talk about uh, ourselves, uh, and I'll kick that off. But as I say, do feel free to pop comments, responses, questions of your own, anything like that in the Obsidian Day channel. Um, I'm just going to start off by uh, asking our GM, Matt, if he would just Give us a bit of a, an explanation of the Star Trek Adventure system that we're using and, and why you've picked that. Uh, the Star Trek Adventures came out a few years ago, published by Medorpheus. The system itself was very, uh, my original group described it as very Star Trek. Um, it just led, it just really brought the world to life. You want to speak up a bit, Matt? I don't think some people can hear you. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me better now? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, I must have turned my mic down. I apologise. So we, I picked the Star Trek adventure system because, one, it was geared towards Star Trek rather than altering a different system. Um, and there was... They, had, they have already captured so much of the universe in the supplements. The, the rules... The... the the system rules, the, the system itself is, it's so easy to get, uh, to get hold of, um, get, um, sorry, your head around. Um, yes, Matt does have all the books, including the new Klingon one, which I'm mentioning to use. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a fantastic system. Uh, the two mission books that they brought out, supplements, are they are just um, Star Trek and Starfleet specifically perfect. Uh, they capture the embodiment of what it is to be in Starfleet. Even the rule that um, you don't shoot first, and when you do shoot, you stun. Uh, there's even court martial rules in the in the system, just in case someone does decide to shoot. Um, I'm super glad you have the books and read them because every time I play a game, I never even read the back of the box and I make make stuff up. <laughs> I was like, that's not how this game is played, Nikki. 
<laughs> it is now. <laughs> House rules. Yes. Well, ah, we do we do have a Jill as well. Jill, just I'm just going to throw jump in here and ask you to just quickly introduce yourself to the guys who are listening. Oh, sure. Um, I'm Jill. I'm I've guested on one episode of uh, the live sim, which was a lot of fun. But um, it was normally, a lot of fun to have you. <laughs> thank yes. you. Um, if uh, I get another free Saturday, I'll I'll be back. But um, I've been. I've been simming for about 20 years, not with Nova, but on the Mercutio. Um, I've, I joined in the end of, oh, uh, yeah, the end of oh one or oh two. And, um, so I'm, I'm looking at 20 years on that. And have you done a lot of tabletop or just writing? Uh, No, um, mostly writing the tabletop thing. I've done one D and D game with my husband and some friends. Um, but I did not grow up in that crowd. So uh, I was curious I, because you joined in with us and you picked right up and I didn't really follow up with you after. Did you feel like it was pretty easy to play along with us, even though yeah, there it, was no prior? No, it was, it was, it was great. Um, I didn't have a problem. I'm always a little bit wary because I don't know all of the rolling rules. And so that was my biggest thing. It's like, uh, so I'm just kind of feeling like don't get mad at me for asking about my role because I want to do it right but um no y'all were great and uh uh yeah you were oh, seamless with the roles. Nice the clip of your first role is one of the highest visited ones on our, our twitter uh, that was like an epic role too <laughs> yeah, it was really good <laughs> nice so, yeah, Will's <laughs> nice is also my favorite thing. Um, just to come back to kind of, you know, obviously Potemkin as a as a sim or a a piece of Obsidian Fleet is very different and unique compared to, I mean, most of what we are all familiar with is a Nova based writing sim. Um, uh, this is a tabletop RPG. It's it's completely different in in many ways. Um, Matt, as GM, I just wondered because you. Obviously, you GM the game, and you're also GMing on the Eagle as well in, in Nova. What what would you say are the biggest differences and the biggest kind of challenges, I guess, of running something that is is live like that? Um, well, to be honest, there aren't, for, for me anyway, um, there aren't really that many challenges. Um, I'm, a, I'm a reasonably creative person, and I can think on the spot quite easily um it's it i find it harder to um uh, to herd my um nova players into a into a storyline rather than live because live we can um i can react i can interact with the players on the spot in the moment um so i guess a lot of the questions that i'd get asked in um in messenger about the eagle i get asked in character from the players on the potemkin and it's just it's it's not a challenge it's 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 brilliant um i think 
I think if there was a challenge, it is um, preparation. I don't do preparation. I just kind of talk. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I just kind of talk. Um, I mean, I might have a, I'll, I'll always have an idea of what the mission is and what I want the ending to be. But then I react to my players. Um, I do like, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, but I do kind of sometimes like tripping the players up a little bit. Like them, well, last week's session was perfect example of that. Yeah. You, and you know you what? I kind of like being tripped up. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you guys but... want to explain kind of what you mean by that? What happened in the last session, just for people who maybe have not yeah, followed along? Yeah. So, um, so the, the, uh, the away team came across, uh, uh, or rather, the Potemkin came across a um, a version of their own ship, um, from which they later discovered was from a different um, universe, different dimension. Um, but on board was a dimensional hopping drive, and it was slowly powering up. Um, like but there was no like other two-year span. Yeah, there slowly. was no other power on board. It was all very low levels and it was all going to the device so ellie nikki's character plugs in this uh, battery super battery with the power yeah. of a solar system yeah um so she plugged energy. it in and i'm wondering if anyone is going to notice well i didn't or, really or realize the was connected because when i asked <laughs> about it you said it was like powered from some unknown source so i didn't think to make sure the circuit was broken from the ship so i go and plug yeah. this thing in and he's like oh 30 seconds till this universe drive hops you to some unknown location and FaceTime, and it was like we freaked out. Like, <laughs> and so one of the best clips. If you go over to our tabletop um, channel, you can listen. I think it's the first last time I I've ever heard Nikki swear. I swore. You actually, swear. oh, that's what that was about. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> because they be did a an emergency beam out, um, and he rolled for it, and he beat Nikki's role to grab the battery. So Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thought I lost the battery. But you have to listen to the whole episode to find out what ultimately happens. <laughs> it was a uh, it's I, I I felt as though I was I really I had thought been... I lost it. And you know what? I wasn't although it was disappointing in the one sense, it was really kind of um fulfilling in another sense in that I got tested, I failed, and you know, I I felt like universe had consequences i guess which you know i yeah. kind of knew it was fun well, it, it was it's, really it's fun. something that it's something that although uh the the episode where you thought you'd lost a uh, potemkin yeah that was the last oh my real gosh, time when you guys disappeared jill was there for that one yeah that's the one she was in Yes, and that was that. That was the last time that there was any so real peril. So for the listeners, that we were in. on an away team on this moon, just some random moon, checking it out. And there was a crash ship, and we were exploring it. And while we're exploring it, the Potemkin uh, has a battle and has to shoo out of the system real quick. And so we don't know if the Potemkin is ever coming back to get us. And immediately. Pride, Matt, our 2XO, jumps into, like, survival mode. Like, can we eat the sheep that live on this planet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it yes, was fantastic. Be fair, 
Arachnus cell crashed onto the planet. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, no. We thought the Potemkin was we thought the Potemkin was like destroyed. Yeah. Even, yeah, yeah. I guess it's a good question because I I asked Matt, you know, how it feels to run um, a sim in this way. But I guess I don't know, Will or the Matt, you want to come in on how it feels as players to play in this. You know, you're not you're responding almost live rather than having to write a reply and edit it and come up with the right wording. I don't know how. You, if you guys want to comment on how different it feels to you guys. Well, when I'm writing on the eagle which is where where I was before I was invited to the Potemkin. It's it, you have a lot of time to sit there and think, what will my character say? What do they normally think about? And these kind of things. But when you're alive, you just sit there and go, uh, uh, uh yes. And then that's your answer. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of have to commit. And sometimes you can't just overthink. You just grab your nearest idea and go with that. It was a little bit different because it's voice uh activated if you will for for the tabletop but the mercutio was a live sim um before we came over to nova we played on uh aim and then mm. irc so i was kind of used to the uh, making it up as you go yeah I, I i do remember the days of msn um <laughs> Fly, like that. This is AOL Messenger. Um, my age. <laughs> um, Matt, uh, did you have anything to add on that from your from your side of it? Um, Opkiss, I mean. Um, yeah, I sometimes feel I can roleplay better when I'm writing, but that's just because I've been writing for so long. Uh, you know, it's very much in the moment, and you need to have a really fundamental mental grasp of your character in order to respond quickly like that. Uh, but that's, you know, you start out with an archetype, a trope, and then you you build on it. And that was, that was pretty well done with the, uh, what they call traits in, in, uh, in the Star Trek Adventure system. One prize traits is, I, I, I marked it down as um, start of the right straight on until morning, because he's a, he's a veteran of, of, Starfleet, so he's a lieutenant commander. I didn't want him to be like the jaded veteran, the the guy that doesn't. He's he's just like whatever. You're you're all just young idiots. I wanted him to be he's a veteran, so he's seen a lot. He's always fascinated by that new thing, the dragon that we ran into on one planet. Was like, oh, that was good. He he was like like a kid at a candy store having to race a dragon, get the shuttle eaten. That was fun, by the way. For for the record, that was not a homebrew creature either. That was very much one of the creatures in the science book, in the science oh, I supplement. I wish I had the dragon picture on hand. You posted it. I'll see if I can find it. I guess it's, that's a good place to kind of ask, I guess, because um, in, in terms of inspiration for a normal sim character, you can probably spend quite a lot of time figuring out how you're going to write a character and embodying them in, in your voice and in, in kind of responding live. Does that, has that changed anybody's perspective on character creation generally? Oh, for me, definitely. I had to make a new voice for my second character where I speak a lot lower. <laughs> you, you do a good job performing. My fa one of my favorite moments that brings up is when you had to save yourself when, um, 
Will's um, security character punched a Borg, got one point of damage. Of course, it was nanite damage, so one point's all you need. Um, and then his doctor character had to rescue his security character, which is just fantastic. Yep. I think, I think the game master said something like, um, let's see if Will can save himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but who punches a Borg? I mean, come on. Only Basin. <laughs> <laughs> what about the rest of you? Anything, anything kind of, any other kind of weird kind of, I guess, because I, I know for me, when I, when I thought of Scott, I was quite, it was quite a generic character, but I think what Matt was saying about the, the kind of, the, the traits of your character is, is a really helpful focus, I find. And I don't know, I, if I was to transpose anything from the, the live system into a Nova system, those traits and those elements would be really, really useful as a kind of mirror back to kind of remind you what kind of personality your character has. So, uh, you know, I play Scott as quite, you know, he's a Starfleet true believer. He's very much a kind of a, you know, this is the way we should behave. This is the way Starfleet should act and, and has a very strong moral compass on that. And so he's very quick to kind of say, this is the right thing that we should do. This is, this is that. And actually I find that really, really helpful as a focus um, mm-hmm. for, for the character. I don't know if anyone else has found anything similar in that. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. Um, Ellie has the peace loving um, um, aspect of her character. And so we've run in a couple situations where she has to fight. And so we, that was actually one of the earliest uh, character developments I had in the game. Um, the captain had me uh, to get an extra punch out of a fighting a Borg vessel. Um, he, you, the engineer doesn't usually get to shoot. So he asked her to transport a, uh, a torpedo over onto the Borg ship. And I really, the roles worked out so that that destroyed the Borg ship and she has the peace loving aspect. So she had to deal with, you know, having killed people that she was sure could have been saved um, as recovered Borg. So that was kind of fun to develop. We have to develop that further too with, uh, we actually we did, did a joint post on Obsidian Command. We could continue character development scenes that don't, that might not, you know, fit in the three hour of a voice uh, a tabletop game, um, so it's it's a, it was an interesting hybrid, and I've done you know done some a lot of character development out of Hyde that way too. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that that's a very key point um, with the with the the tabletop. You do, with most games anyway. You don't generally get that that character development, that character interaction that you would do on a Nova RPG. And it's really, I mean, thank you very much to OF, uh, OC for hosting um, our additional content um, because it allows us to develop our characters more and then take that into the next session. It's unique for tabletop games, too, because I'm on yeah. a couple and they don't do anything outside of their session in terms. I mean, you might have a side session or fill out your bio, but they don't really spend a lot of time, you know, writing or or making any other audio content. So it's kind of unique to both worlds to blend them. Yeah, I never really thought about exactly what my character would do based on some, you know, zero or one kind of statistic 
but I think about things differently now with the value system. It made me think, okay, my doctor has the compassion and loss value. So I've been making him do a lot of things when he discovers loss, like putting a little piece of uh, brown sugar on a ship before we blow it up, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I guess, yeah, how does that, I don't know how that plays back for you, Matt, as the GM, in terms of being able to take those kind of elements and, and, and employ them in, in a wider sense, do you, do you kind of do you, do you make do a lot with that? Do you, do you find that that's really helpful for you to build future sessions and storylines around? To, to a degree, yes. Um, there were. Well, the last one had a lot. Yeah, um, there was there was a, a session. I forget it was after the planet. No, it was before the, the you uh, before the moon. Um, a giant space creature was potentially going to eat the planet um <laughs> and there was some there was a, a joint post written beforehand that um i gave some information and they basically did the 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 science stuff in the joint post that could then be oh well we've done this and we found that um which is great uh it gave me uh, the opportunity to maybe cut out a lot of the um, a lot of the rolling because in every RPG that I run, I tabletop. I I would rather role play than rolling dice. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's you can't get around it, um, and some players don't like can't role play as well as others. So dice rolling helps them. But yeah, um, the the out of voice, the written stuff, and even the the voice posts that Nikki's been putting out, the um, the mission logs, um, it helps me get to know the characters. Um, I need to do and, more of those. Yeah, I'm and it allows. Like I'm learning, lean, leaning into the character acting. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of allows, um, I mean, using people's values and challenge, challenging those values are is the whole point of the system. It's supposed to be that the GM challenges the values of mm-hmm. any given character. And I like... That's very true. Like, yeah, it is. Um, every mission brings its own... Um, own challenges to overcome, and that not all of them are going to be combat, or at least not shooting combat, because you've got verbal combat as well, verbal verbal conflict. It's called in the system. Yeah, and it's it's. I, I certainly think, from my experience, that yeah, it's. I've played in tabletop RPGs before. The combat, the actual physical combat, is usually a lot easier to role play. You know. Um, than a diplomatic challenge, I think you know. Well, and we uh, also have a challenge of the challenge. Walter has used the thing on, you know. So, yeah. one of the first questions that always comes up are things like, you know, can we negotiate this, or can we? Uh, is this in the prime directive? That always comes up. Where you know, I've never played anything like that in D and D. We just hit things, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, 
I don't think so. D&D... There's like a really big difference in role playing as Starfleet characters with like standards than there is being a you know fantasy race doing your thing. Yeah, and I there's been at least uh, there's been two pr- pretty prominent debates about uh, the Prime Directive. Um, and the one the one with the um, bluer sun. Where we weren't yeah. sure if we could go on the moon because they had warp capacity, but then they were a splinter of their people. So we had yeah. a debate there. Yeah, and then the one with the giant planet-eating creature. Yeah, it was like, um, do we help them or is it their fate? Yeah. Um, yeah. That that sort of thing, You, it's, it's harder to role-play that kind of discussion. Um, in a written format, I feel. Um, I'm surprised that Pride is the one I was asking the Prime Director question. <laughs> Pride is always asking. That's true. Well, it's his yeah. role because you've come up as the as the two XO, and we and you filled that seat. Yeah. Generally, you you get command of the of the away team, uh, being the the highest ranking officer. So. I guess that's a big difference, I think, to to kind of try to overcome um, or try to explain at least to, to people who've, if you've played D&D before, there's never really a party leader. There might be a face person who's good with the charisma stuff. But yeah, I, I think certainly when I joined this, I think the biggest challenge was there is a bit of a chain of command this or I'm this conversation with an NPC because you almost feel like, well, actually... He's the two X, so he's the leader. He some, should be doing that. Sometimes I lean it, in on impulsivity there is of a my chance, character you know, to kind of break out temporary. of that um, sure. limitation. But generally, yeah, we find ourselves going, looking at Pride, going, "What do we do now?" <laughs> Very true. Which I guess is a big difference in terms of normal tabletop and how this kind of leans more into the, um, the sort of Star Trek simming that we're all used to is that people will rely on the senior officer, so to speak. Um, to kind of lead the way in that, but I think it's, I think as a group we've seemed to have become more comfortable with this idea that someone will just step up and, and kind of take a chance or do an action um, based on their character, and I think that's I think it's the crew quite, quite is interesting to watch that, that develop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, I agree. The the longer we've been playing, the more comfortable with each other. Um, as well as the characters we play, um, we've become. Um, we still do have moments where there's just complete silence. Um, I'll cut that like, out after. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes I do have to prompt, but that's that's kind of the job as the GM and storyteller. Um, you have to prod occasionally. Uh, and mm. as none of us are Starfleet officers in real life, um, we don't always know how a Starfleet officer would react in a given situation. So, it, so maybe that's another challenge that between writing and voice is, and it was touched on earlier that sometimes we need that moment to process what's going on. Yeah, yeah. you have to give each other a pause. Yeah, I know. I know when I'm writing tags and, and responses to stuff, I like to look back over previous 
scenes with the same characters to kind of check details and think, okay, what did they yeah. actually say? Yeah. Uh, and how can I reference that? And how can I bring that back together? And it's very difficult to do very quickly in a moment when you're just trying to remember what's been said. Yeah. I think we're learning to give each other grace to converse between two and kind of bounce off of each other and come closer to something. Um, even if it's really in one person's court for whatever their skills are or whatever. It's like I noticed that when I was trying to figure out that magnetism thing with the uh, moon and and um, I believe uh, Will and Paul came in with uh, with details on the magnetic forces and iron and stuff that I didn't have but my character should have you know but I really appreciated that it was a it was a good um good thing to share kind of what we were thinking yeah does anybody else feel weird trying to think up techno bubble because I do yes yes <laughs> very techno I I think I think some power thing get the power thing yeah <laughs> yeah I can't even remember what we named the thing <laughs> It's a pocket universe battery. Pocket, yes, yes. Or a ZPM, zero point module. We started, but... I think, calling it the super battery. That's fine. Yes. Yeah. I just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that because I was really nervous when I joined, especially as an engineer, which is not a character type I play a lot. Like, how am I going to babble? And and you guys have not been difficult with it. And it's you've you've helped me with terms. And, and also, I feel like you teach as we play. Like you give, um, yeah, you give guidance and you let us, when you drop something in one um, session, we might find it again in another session. And so like I'm learning terms for quantum mechanics and stuff, even if it's kind yeah. of pseudoscience-y, I'm enjoying it because it's reusable and I'm starting to feel competent in the game, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, we did have it um, with, the, with the whole protectorate. Um, center of the or outside the galaxy storyline that we did that one mission. Yeah. Um, I did tracker. kind of yeah, I did kind of throw <laughs> in a lot of real world fringe science there. It was very fringy. Yes, um, I recognise <laughs> that you know maybe getting that technical was, or rather, it was pointed out to me as well, um, and. Well, on it the is... one hand, we were lost in that session, but on the other hand, some of the stuff keeps coming up. And so, like I said, I feel like I'm learning the game as I go. I'm, like, learning the landscape of of the universe we play in. Yeah, that, I mean, I'll, I'll always... I will always do my best to... Um, to teach what's in my head for the session. And that's not an easy thing for me to do because, you know, my head's a barely contain chaos at the best of times um but then trying to bring in the the techno babble from star trek as well um and i mean jill mentioned it earlier but love teaching new players about a system it it's my favorite part of being a gm um, and I have endless patience for you're a very good teacher for players. <laughs> I guess that's the good... first session was so easy to pick up on. I guess that's a really good question because um, I'm aware we've only got about five minutes left. I'll maybe want to go around the table and just sort of kind of go ask ask you guys what's been your favorite moment or what's been your favorite thing about 
being involved in this, um, especially thinking there's people here who've maybe curious about it, have never heard about it, don't really know that much about it, or maybe they have been following along. Um, but yeah, just to go around and kind of think, is there a particular moment or a particular element that you think, actually, this is really fun, um, really glad I was involved at this point? Um, I don't know if somebody wants to volunteer to kind of pick out a moment first. Uh, do speak up, jump in quickly, because otherwise, otherwise we'll be sat here in silence, which Nikki can't edit out. <laughs> <laughs> There are a lot of good moments. It's really hard to choose, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's the um, creating uh, new, wonderful, and interesting creatures for you to encounter and shoot. Um, and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, lo I love giving you scare moments, like um, like the, the terror bird you encountered. Oh, I almost um, threw a grenade. Moon. That could have been bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's moments like that. Moments that you that hopefully you guys go, oh, okay, that's fine. We're not all dead. <laughs> we were being followed by some birds, some, like, dino birds, and my character is not um, physically fit or security-minded, but she got scared and almost unpinned a grenade. But the GM talked faster than I did, so I didn't hurt us. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I don't have a specific moment right now, but I do have a collection of moments where my uh, secondary character, Daniel Basin, has been, uh, he's basically been having a out of, out of the sim relationship with a little friend bot called Mimi that he keep, takes everywhere Mimi. with him. I like that. I like the, the inside running gags that we developed. A prized love life is a fine joke <laughs> in the sim because because you keep getting he's, he's, exposed to radiation. <laughs> well, first of all, he's he's kind of the uh, devoted to his job, not settled down type. So his relationships tend to be eating, and then we get revealed that oh yes, some some NPC that we met from a future timeline is actually his like great great granddaughter granddaughter yeah or his, is his granddaughter and then so we're, we're like oh so like who's who's pride mary <laughs> and then he gets himself exposed to like radiation and he's like oh crap now yeah. i'm like sterile now i'm like sterile there's like no uh, there's no uh future granddaughter in it for me uh, oh. I, 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 also tricorders can't seem to see you <laughs> that's, that's that's true <laughs> and and then uh and we meet, then we find on this alternate Pretemkin that uh, he's actually married to one of his pilots that are currently serving on the Pretemkin with him. So that's going to be a lot awkward. of fun to uh, deal with the awkwardness there. So, Jill, anything to add to on there? Um, I was trying to think. There was something I said that we got that got a little clip, and I was trying to remember what it was. But um, was that the ensign gets the crap seats? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think cause it was, was my, that was my, my character was the ensign and I think I was deferring to somebody else and that was the quote, I believe, but, um, <laughs> I think the way it came out was, uh, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. But, um, Yeah. Um, if, if I was to share any kind of moments from 
that I find memorable, particularly. I do remember the um, we we didn't necessarily call it a planet killer, but there was a a giant space thing that was going to devour a planet or at least kind of crash into one. And I do just remember the kind of the long drawn out debate over whether we should do something and whether it was going to work. And and, and actually, do we? You know, there was a real risk that this alien creature thing was going to destroy a whole planet or it might not and we weren't sure whether to act and it was like i love moments like that that was a really good moment to have kind of that was one of our prime directive discussions. yeah uh, yeah i yeah. uh, really really enjoyed that element of we're just not sure what's going to happen um and actually i guess that's really different from a nova game where realistically yeah and i mean the the gm or ceo might know what's going to happen but realistically you can't just sit there and go well what's going to happen so i can write about it it's more i have to react <laughs> to this and I, and and what's going to happen we don't know it was really good i don't think i have been more panicked in my life than that <laughs> i mean in my role play life than that because that we were about wasn't to find just, out how just, badly we screwed up <laughs> it was like yeah like did we what like it wasn't just that the planet was destroyed this is a planet with millions of people living on it in a pre-warp yeah. civilization so we're like oh crap this was that it was it was kind of like that episode of Enterprise where they have to decide this one race that is dying off. There's two races on the planet, and one is evolutionarily dying off, the other is thriving. But like, does Fox save the evolutionary dead end or not? We're talking about billions of people that are dying through our action or inaction. The Prime Directive says we can't interfere. I think that was like. Uh, that was Pride's oral, like, yeah, it was, he, was, he had a tough time with that. Hmm. Well, thanks, guys. Um, we've we kind of hit the end of our scheduled slot um, for Obsidian Day. Um, I just want to thank the, the panel and thank our audience as well for listening in. Hopefully you found it insightful. Um, I would just... Yeah, maybe just defer to Matt for the last 30 seconds, just as a kind of quick, if anybody's more interested in getting involved or understanding more about the stuff, um, yeah, do do contact um, Matt. Or I know that Nikki also has been um, providing some AGM stuff for, for us. So um, but I guess any one of us, if you want to get in touch with us about uh, learning more, uh, please do. Uh, this kind of draws the Obsidian stage element of the day to a close. Um, do stick around because I think Nikki is about to lead a, a, a session on um, what did she say she was leading on? Reading posts with a writing mind, which I believe will be back in the Obsidian Day 2021 channel. Um, thank you all for your time. I hope you enjoy the rest of the morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you may be. So thanks, thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.